Red Channel Condition with Michael. I don't want to be here. Jonathan. If there was a phone for the cat, the cat wouldn't call me anyway. And Peter. We tried to do a couple things, we failed miserably, and we're right back here. Welcome, listeners, to this week's episode of Red Channel Condition. As always, I'm your host, Peter, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Michael and Jonathan. Good morning, guys. How are how you feeling? We we just finished Thanksgiving break. Do you guys uh, how 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 did you guys spend it? You know, tell tell me how your holiday was. Ah, oh, there's no such thing as good mornings. Oh my God, it's so early. Um, Thanksgiving was good. Uh, had uh had my in-laws over. Small get together. Um, the downside of all of this stuff is that I actually don't have any crazy uncles in the family. Uh, so it's not nearly as, it's, it's not nearly as interesting as, uh, I guess family get togethers are. (laughs) Okay. I mean, yeah, I I know that, uh, Thanksgiving can be a time for spirited debate and, and vibrant conversation amongst families nowadays. Uh, John, how about you? How was your, how was your holiday? Uh, it was, it was okay. Um, on Thursday itself, you know, went to my folks house, you know, and just uh, had a small dinner there, you know, with my grandparents and stuff. And that was nice. You know, I made some mac and cheese, you know, which you uh, if you're in a if you're in a black family, if you're in a family of color or whatever, you'll be you making the mac and cheese a serious fucking business. So, you know, I got called oh, I got that's... called up to the majors this year. So that was pretty cool. Wow. You know, my mac. Wow. How did it turn out? Did everything did, was it was it? culturally acceptable was your or was your mac and cheese white and bland <laughs> i mean uh the funny thing is you know, uh you know, i didn't like what i came up with because you know my mom was like oh you should make it like more natural and like less you know, like lower sodium and like you get the natural taste of the cheese and stuff like that so like what i would have done you know, make some crazy shit with like some truffle oil and like some fucking you know, parmesan crumbs and shit like that and like Instead, I made some regular ass mac and cheese, and like, you know, I didn't love it, but my my mom and my dad and my grandparents, you know, gobbled the shit. So they they were like, "Oh, this is great!" So like, I'm happy that they enjoyed uh, what they instructed me to make. So you know, as a person who is a bit of a cheesehead, that actually sounds pretty good. You know, sometimes mac and cheese just needs to be mac and cheese and it doesn't need to have its own instagram page (laughs) no fuck that man like if you like if you're making first of all like your mac and cheese cannot consist of simply noodles and cheese like if you're if you've got just noodles and cheese so good no somebody somebody did wrong by you if if your mac and cheese (laughs) is just mac and and noodles and cheese like you need a roux your roux needs to be seasoned your noodles need to be boiled in water that is seasoned I will do mac and cheese in the pasta boat, and like, it would be the best thing ever. Oh right? my god! It doesn't, the pasta it doesn't boat. even matter. John takes a holistic approach to his mac and cheese. <laughs> like I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't need forty dollar mac and cheese. Mac and cheese should be like quick and cheap. No, I, I can't. You know, because you know, uh, there might be other people listening. You know, in my family or whatever. Like I can't, I can't cast any aspersions on certain uh, cross sections of mac and cheese. But let me just say that. Mac and cheese should not be quick and cheap, and it should not just be something that came out of the blue box. Kraft macaroni and cheese is amazing. No, that shit's disgusting, dude. It's so good. That cheese powder, you can open the powder and just mix up the cheese sauce in your mouth. Or something. <laughs> That's like, disgusting. It's just as good. It's just as good. Disgusting. It's just as good. That's disgusting. <laughs>
You know where it's at, though. The Stouffer's mac and cheese. Now you're fucking talking. No, Stouffer's mac. Stouffer's mac and cheese is gangster. Like that's that's right. <laughs> yes, that shit is Jesus. Yes, <laughs> like that shit is great. <laughs> like okay, like you can't just you can't just make that you you open the package and throw it into a pot and turn. No, yeah, like you have to bake that in the oven. Right, right? mac and cheese should not involve powder. Yes, like no, thank you. No, like you and it, and if it does, somebody did wrong by you. Somebody does not love you. <laughs> That's like when I used to like buy those fucking cans of uh, what's that shit? Like the you know the like the, the, the cheese shout. whiz. Oh yeah. my god! I would just spray that shit into my face. The easy cheese. <laughs> Jesus shit Christ! Was delicious, dude. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh my god! Nah. Oh, best best thing ever made. The the only application for canned cheese or sprayed cheese is as the base for your cheese sauce that you're putting on a cheese stick. You can spray it on some crackers <laughs> if you're feeling frisky. Right, we take it back to charcuterie boards circa 1982. I'm guilty. Like, I use that shit like an IV. I just plug that shit in and just <laughs> let it rip. Fuck <laughs> it to my veins! Well, I mean, at least you made your family happy. So that I guess, like, you, you really did capture the spirit of the holiday. It may not have been, like, the mac and cheese you love, but they loved it. And that's what matters, right? Uh, we can go with that. We'll start the day off. I know it's still early, gentlemen. Jeez Louise, we're still getting used to this new schedule. But why don't we start the day off with a little bit of uh, humor uh, and, and fun? I linked in a, a, a funny story, or at least I thought it was funny, uh, about a cryptocurrency trading hamster. And I, I know you guys had your own thoughts on this, uh, but apparently a German hamster is uh, beating the market at its own game. Um, his name is Mr. Gox, and he is a crypto trading hamster who uh, basically they gave him like a little wheel to run on, and the wheel would have a bunch of different cryptocurrencies, I guess, depending on where the hamster stopped. Um, it would pick a cryptocurrency for the hamster to either buy or sell, and in order to buy or sell, the, the hamster would then have to crawl and, and choose, choose a specific little tunnel to crawl through. And one would indicate buy, one would indicate sell. And he, he's, he's beating the market. He's doing better than the returns for Bitcoin, the S&P 500, and Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. How did, what did you guys think about this? When, when you first told me about this crypto hamster, uh, I thought this guy was, well, this guy, this hamster, or, or the hamster's owner was, was making some like really serious crypto money. And then it turns out, like, he didn't really believe in this hamster. He only invested, like, $390. That's more than I have in the crypto game. If you have a god hamster that is just beating the market by 20%, you got to have more faith. Well, that's right. I mean, this just goes to show you that, like, I mean, the economy in general has been kind of just based on, on God knows what. I, don't, I have no idea what has kept the stock market going up as high as it's been going. But, you know, people often talk about, like, oh, it's a roulette wheel. Like, oh, you know, like, it, it's just luck of the draw. It, it's, it's all, there's, there's no yeah. rhyme or reason to some of this stuff. Does that, does that really illustrate this or, or go to show that, that there is, there's no way to predict this if a hamster can do it? I mean, we did it in the, we did it in the 90s with, uh, with chimps and, dark, and dartboards. Like, it's easy to make money when everything is just going up. But when that hamster can properly hedge its bets and make money when the market crashes that's that's when i'll start paying attention wow Un completely unimpressed with the hamsters work you know because it's just small <laughs> potatoes 
<laughs> like you want him swinging big hamster dick? Like you, you know. hamster likes the stuff. <laughs> Diamond paws. Well, I'm impressed with this hamster's work, and uh, it, I'm a little angry that it's it's probably doing it has a better portfolio than me. Um, but hey, I'm proud of the little guy. More power to you. But I, I think. I think, John, you linked a, an update to this story where the hamster's dead now. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, God. the hamster is dead now. <laughs> the hamster died, so it did not get to it did not get to enjoy its winning. Well, you know, I guess it it you know, it never got the chance to gamble that hard because it died too quickly. You know, but it lived it lived a very exciting life running through the buy and sell tube, and you know, it did beat the market. Uh, you know, while it was alive, you know, I think it was. You know, it was above. It was like twenty percent better than all of those different marketplaces that you mentioned. So, oh, goodness, yeah. Did how did this hamster die? Because like this hamster must have lived pretty hard and fast. I'm just imagining <laughs> this coke filled, you know, binge drinking hamster. Because <laughs> this thing happened what on the 27th of September, and it's now November 27th, and he's just dead now. Clearly, he was taken out by big crypto. <laughs> Wow, that's right, though. He was winning too too much. He's doing too he good. Cracked the code. Elon Musk shouted him out, so you know that the you know, the eyes of the street were watching him. Um, <laughs> you know, it's you know, according to the update to it or whatever, you know, he showed no signs of serious illnesses apart from some kidney issues in his early days. Mm. Apart from some, okay, so it looks like we got to check Putin and polonium. <laughs> you think he might have he might have fallen out of the window onto a stick of polonium? This hamster needs a rallying cry. He was going to take down the big banks. You were the chosen one! The great equalizer, you know? We, we all die, and this hamster's no exception. It doesn't matter how rich you are. Mr. Gox, born on a Monday, treated on a Tuesday, but then dead by Wednesday. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> His memory will live on forever in the blockchain. I'm certain that somebody is going to make a Gox coin that you some... Oh god, yeah. yes. And that that coin will be pumped and dumped rapidly, and you know if that coin doesn't already exist, if somebody makes it, you please let me know where the airdrop is so I can get right on top of that pyramid. I wonder. I wonder what what the what the future holds for other crypto trading animals. Like, yeah, I need I need like a crypto trading ostrich and like crypto trading rhino. I'm waiting for NFT snake personally. <laughs> Wow, this, this world is dumber than I than I ever dreamed of. Now I'm thinking about like if we should have like a a crypto farm where the animals compete to see who gets eaten last. Well, like animal <laughs> farm, but like the crypto version. I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> proof of work good. Proof of stake bad. Proof of work good. Proof of stake bad. Like I need, I need that hamster calculating derivatives and like shorting stocks. Like I, need, that's what I need. In other animal-related news, Mike, you had linked a, a, a small article about uh, what is going on with albatrosses due to climate change. Would you care to enlighten our listeners in terms of what this means for them and and how it's affecting their social lives? Yeah. So the Royal Society Journal looked at fifteen thousand five hundred pairs of albatrosses and they found out that once albatrosses find a mating pair only about one percent of them i guess end up quote-unquote divorcing right so it's their their success rate in terms of mating pairs are 
so much better than people. Yeah, it's better than us. I'm like, wow, I could learn a thing or two. Like, you know, maybe like those albatrosses really know how to communicate and listen. So I could go, I could go to my hamster for financial advice before I meet up with my albatross for mar- for like marriage therapy. <laughs> <laughs> However, recently they found that the stable family unit has been thrown up into turmoil uh, by environmentally driven factors. Basically, albatrosses are now divorcing at higher rates than normal. And people are blaming it on the weather and, and the climate. So, like, I want to understand this. So, basically, it's getting hotter out. So, like, they want, that's it? They want to fuck other people? No, well, it's kind of, it's kind of like what, what happens to people, too. Um, the albatrosses are needing to go further away. And then while these albatrosses are away on these business trips to make food and money, right? <laughs> you know, they're out of, uh, once you leave the zip code, then you know it's, right. you're not really married anymore. Uh, so, so, so they're having trouble finding home. All right? and, and settling down with, uh, with other people, with, with other albatrosses. And also, um, female albatrosses are leaving the male albatrosses. Because the male albatrosses aren't bringing back enough food. Wow. It's all about money for those sluts. So the albatrosses are taking the red pill. That's what it is. I'm not saying she's a gold digger, but she's an albatross. Oh my god. Jesus oh Lord! <laughs> so <sighs> really, you know, the problem is climate change, and we have to solve climate change. Otherwise, we're going to be left by our women because we're not bringing home enough bacon. I don't want no scrub. That's that's basically that's, that's it. the takeaway. All, all all these uh all these female albatrosses want is food. <laughs> wow. Wow. They all want the same thing, and it'll make you sick. <laughs> I, I feel I feel really bad for the for the male albatross here because like you know he's he's having to go further and and work harder to find what little he can to scrape things together comes home and mm-hmm. finds his wife in bed with another albatross like what the fuck I know I know what what kind of species does that <laughs> just because he's gone nine to five nine to nine you nine know, to 12, nine yeah nine to nine and. <laughs> You know, comes home and and then he has to get it from uh get get it from his albatross wife. Like, why are you never home? Where's my food? Where's my beer? And why is this nest not clean? You it's never like, quack oh, me God. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be careful though, because you know, pretty soon the female albatrosses are gonna want to hunt for themselves, and that's just that's the that's, that's the downfall good. of albatross society right there. It's a slippery slope, man. <laughs> the slippery slope. The uh, the family unit is over. Yep. You know, the, the second I can't peck her on the tail feathers, like, what is this? <laughs> See, what are we even doing in society? They'll just call that abuse now. Uh, all I did was flap my wing in her general direction. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> That's why there needs to be an albatross rights movement that really stands for the true albatross. Uh, well, albatross suffrage would be amazing. <laughs> Oh, that is some stupid animal news. That's great. Make migration great again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty stupid. Um, and, and you'll only get it here, folks. <laughs> Fuck. 
move, moving on from 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 stupid news to just plain smutty. I mean, with the albatrosses, at least they still have stable relationships. But for the rest of us here at home, we just masturbate to pornography. And um, you guys, you guys had linked an interesting article about what is going on in the porn industry. And, and, and in fact, answer some of my own questions to what has happened to some of my favorite bookmarks. So <laughs> would, you, would, you guys, would you guys care to regale our listeners a little bit about what is going on in the porn industry? Why is it harder for content to be disseminated and for content providers? Um, Mike, did you link that article? So the porn industry in the past, you know, like many things, was dominated by big production companies. And the the barrier to entry to porn has been relatively low in the past, but it was made lower by the internet, you know, and and web hosts like OnlyFans, I Want Clips, and Chatterbait. Um, now anyone with a webcam can start building a following. Well, these entrepreneurs, right? They're running into issues with payment processors like Mastercard over verification issues. In the eighties, all right. I want to say 1988, the U.S. required that porn producers keep records that document the legal name, uh, date of birth, and photo IDs of all the talent on the camera, right? In 2000, they spread this rule from the people making the porn to the people hosting the porn. And this was largely in reaction to the many videos of child porn and sex trafficking and revenge porn that were being posted online. So in an effort to get ahead of all of this, and you know, not be associated in any way, the payment processors forced web hosts to be really strict with verification. And now it's being aided with like artificial intelligence and facial recognition, and it sometimes gets it wrong. Um, the videos are taken down, and if there are issues, they're brought back up, but pretty slowly because everyone's operating with this abundance of caution, you know, given the content. Uh, this has been hurting a lot of these smaller independent outfits who don't know the rules or have trouble navigating them and people aren't getting paid. So is, is this what it means when I, when I, when I go to one of my, you know, favorite videos and it is now listed as being flagged for verification? Is that what, is that what this is? Yeah. Um, it's no, they're trying to make sure that the people in those videos are not, and, you know, it, it's a good thing because they're trying to make sure these people are not, you know, sex minors, trafficked yeah. or minors or so there's a there's a really good reason for all of this. It's just, well, um, I guess little fish are being caught up in the uh, in, in, in the net. Interesting. I mean, uh, John, I know that you don't really frequent porn sites. I mean, God forbid. But uh, is, is this something that you have any experience with in terms of? Uh, <laughs> some of your favorite stars, perhaps maybe not being able to reach their content. Well, uh, you know, as far as this, you know, this, you, know, my interest in this is not so much you missing any of the the links and stuff like that because I haven't run into that specific problem. What I will say is that my interest in this was kind of the, I guess, like the socioeconomic repercussions of it, right? You know, so. One of the one of the problems that you'll find is the that like the the smaller and more esoteric providers of content, you know, people doing you know like like furry things or like fetish things or you know people doing you know, like you know, like fetish art or you know, people in you know, 
you know, quote marginalized sexual groups, right? Like you know, transgender people or you know, like you know, other you know, other you know, people you know, in the various queer groups, right? You know, they may be making ends meet. You know, doing you know content like this, you know, selling it on you know small you know platforms like something like I want clips or like like we talked about a couple episodes ago, OnlyFans and you know stuff like that, right? But without without that verification, you know, with that verification step, you know, makes it much more harder for people like that to produce content because they may not want to verify themselves make them more susceptible to being doxxed you know or they may just be generally you know embarrassed you know, by having to you know reveal themselves in order to verify themselves you know on these platforms right because maybe they're not ready to share you know their their membership in one of those uh marginalized groups right like maybe they're not willing they're not ready to come out as trans right or maybe they're not ready to reveal that they're a furry or something like that right and <laughs> You know, now they're having difficulty, you know, getting paid on these platforms, right? So, and it's probably, it might be hard for, you know, dude in the fursuit or whatever to go and even drive DoorDash, right? To make ends meet, right? Drive Uber or something like that. Certainly going to be difficult for them to be like a school teacher or something. So, you know, what do you do if that's, that's how you're paying your mortgage, right? You know, that's what's interesting to me about this. Yeah. So just to be clear, like this isn't this isn't the kind of case where you just have to like check the check every box that has a scrotum in it. Like you you would have to you would have to verify like who you are yep. to this company and yep. you know what your age and yep. what your where you whatever all your information. Provide your ID, you know, like right. You know, like give your like give your face and stuff like that so you can prove that right. you're the person that's uh, recording this content, etc. Right. Okay. I I could definitely see how that could be problematic for some people. In general, this is about you know, worrying you know, about a uh, a sanitized and censored internet. A sanitized and censored internet you know has less freedom for certain types of content. Right. I feel like a sanitized internet is antithetical to the concept of the internet. It should be. Yes. You know, though y'all little you know, I got I have some uh. Some thoughts about you know what is uh censorship, right? You know, but yeah, you know, it is it is technically antithetical to what the internet's supposed to be, right? Like it's supposed to be you know put stuff out there and let the free market sort it out. That's a slippery slope. Nothing's fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, when you're trying to limit access in some way, um, other groups will will suffer for it, and uh, you're probably also pushing. Uh, pushing payment onto like alternative means. Oh, okay, that was my next question because you know, as we've seen, you know, people kind of drifting away from from banks and credit card companies. You know, we've seen the rise of cryptocurrency as a viable solution, especially for internet transactions. So, why is it so? I mean, maybe you have an insight into this. Why do you think it's it's difficult for them to kind of make that transition in terms of just hey, fuck it, I'll I'll get paid in Bitcoin or fucking Dogecoin or whatever. Well, <clears throat> this is straight out of a quote um, from, uh, from the article. A, a Bitcoin transaction can take 10 minutes before it's confirmed. 10 minutes doesn't seem like a long time, but um, as one of the, uh, I guess, the performers uh, said, quote, someone can't be horny and go buy my videos and jerk off in those three minutes. Or an Android. That is nearly an eternity. There's just a lot of hurdles. 
end quote. And you know what? It's like when when you're horny, you're horny, and you want to jerk off, you want to jerk off. And if you have to wait, you're going to do it somewhere else. I, I, you know what? I get that. Yeah, I, I get that too. I mean, I certainly understand why that could be impeding for for live performance, like live show uh, apps where people do that. But like, if I just had a a website full of content that you could download for like you know money, why yeah. would why would it stop that? Well, it wouldn't stop that, but it might you know, lead to people just pirating and you know, resyndicating that content like currently happens right now. You know, if it's just there to be downloaded, you know, it could just be uploaded somewhere else, right? And then you can just yeah. consume it for free you know, the next day or on a different website or something like that. Also, I think a lot of um, the bulk of the earnings come from these live shows. Yes. Um, you know, like it, it's kind of like when a band goes out on tour, that's when they make their real money. It's how you build that audience, too. Yeah. You gotcha. know, we're still figuring this out. And as normal for everything in society, from the VHS to the Blu ray, porn is leading the way. It's like it's out on that frontier of just meeting new, new hurdles and technology and you know, social changes. I'm, I'm sure if, you know, eventually we're going to have, you know, some some compliance rules and regulations for these things you know, get creative as a function of this because this is kind of a new a new frontier right mm-hmm. but you know until then you know, i gotta say you know i'm part of me thinks that this is less a technical problem and more of a personal problem for people you know, applying their trade you know this way right you know and it, like it's it is you know, the oldest like what is it like uh sex was is the oldest uh oldest profession oldest, in the book right, man right so yeah. like it's it has always been the most easy to make money with your body you know, in a sexual way right you know it's very easy to make money this way right so you know you may need to you know, do you know, i guess you may need to do more to make ends meet right like not you may need to rely on you know, less sexual skills in order to make uh, ends meet, you might just have to do that. And you know, people have been doing that since time immemorial, irrespective of what you know, financial system or economic systems you know, you believe in, right? Like even when shit was like you, know, you were serfs and stuff on on the land or something like that, people have found ways to make ends meet, you know, even if they cannot fuck people or record porn, right? So you may just have to you know, grit your teeth and bear it. You know, if it's harder for you to make money, you uh, you skeeting on bears. You, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe we should come up with a, a like a, a new like a new like a new cryptocurrency, like a prepaid porn token, where like you know you just buy fifty bucks of like porn currency, and then you know you you wait you, you get all right. Maybe that takes ten minutes to clear. But then you're free to browse on a multitude of websites and, and get instantaneous transactions once those credits have cleared. Invest in Fapcoin. <laughs> yeah, Fapcoin. <laughs> Bring back the web ring. Wow. <laughs> on the one hand, you do that, right? But on the other hand, you know, like somebody gets caught out there with some content that they weren't supposed to as part of that web ring, and then you, you get sent into jail. So going from one potential disaster to an actual one, you know, I had read this uh, article about the return of a, quote, classic, unquote, video game uh, franchise, the Intellivision, which is from before our time, but, you know, it still matters to the history of games and whatnot. You know, Intellivision was a 
competitor to Atari and Coleco back in their late 70s and early 80s, right? And it's it's got a bunch of things that were kind of very interesting about it, right? Like they were talking about, you know, games are really, really simple to play, costing no more than about 10 bucks. The system was going to be, you know, about $200 and it was going to be backed by, you know, the... You know, a, a hero of retro gaming content, uh, Tommy Tallarico, who some people might know as you know, in these days as the host of uh, Video Games Live, which is like a concert series for classic game music, right? And you might remember oh, him know. from like you know, X Play and G Four and stuff like that. You know, the G Four TV. Um, so there's there was some interesting things about it, but there's a lot of you know, grift and grift adjacent weird shit that kind of makes uh, this console full of red flags. Why is that? One of the main issues is this guy, uh, Tommy Tallarico, right? So he's, you know, he posts on a lot of these retro gaming forums, right? Which is kind of a good place to market something like this, right? This is a, rec- this is a retro console, right? But he was posting on you know, a forum called Atari Age, right? And his... He makes, you know, the regular, like, old people ask, you know, like, boomer posts and stuff like that. Like, back in my day, you know, like, games were like this and so on and so forth, right? You know, right. and that's fine, right? You know, not to be ageist, but that's just, like, what, you know, people would be doing talking about, you know, super retro games like this, right? However, you know, there's some weird shit, and, you know, that's linked in the article, right? So if you look, like, if you look in the article, there are links to where he's calling people, anyone who's critical of right, okay. the business plan for the Intellivision Amico, you know, he's calling Communists them... Communists and gaming racists. Yeah, idiots, <laughs> morons, you know, gaming racists, you know, uh, <laughs> he says that they should return to their safe spaces because they won't debate me, bro, right? You know, and just arguing with people forever, right? Which is an amazing thing. You know, he's got he's a CEO of some company, but he has all the time in the world to argue with Elon Musk. <laughs> to argue with people on the internet. Elon Musk. Right? Sorry. Uh, and you know, he's also very interested in, you know, white supremacists and alt right people and you know, people of that nature on you know various social media, you know, like the Tommy Lawrence and you know, Dan Crenshaw and the quartering and like you know all the fuckboy cinematic universe on the internet right you know all those guys you know so people were you know, looking at that and like what the fuck what's that about right so you know that's why you know there's been a lot of smoke about this console right uh okay all right now it's coming into focus yeah. for me okay i get it yep yeah maybe this guy needs a tweet from red channel condition i mean maybe maybe he has time to talk to us you know, maybe maybe he does. I mean, he he will apparently talk to anybody. So hey, it's probably worth it's probably worth our time to you know poke the beehive, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah. So you know, but, like this guy's getting saying all this shit, and uh, he's he's getting attention for it. That is something we should just do. We should just start trolling people on messages. Well, I I actually already did. I did start doing that on Twitter. <laughs> oh <my God. Jesus. Amazing. Yep, yep. All we have to do is sponsor a clan rally and then we would instantly be everywhere. Red so... Channel Condition fully endorses the new ColecoVision. <laughs> 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 the new God damn it. Uh, oh, amazing. Yes. 
you know, we have been getting some emails saying we should have guests on. We should get this guy, and they just keep <laughs> keep calling it the co. What, what did you say? The colloquial the Cali- vision. Cali- 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 <laughs> We should just keep calling it. Yo, he would be so tight. It would be amazing. Oh, actually. God, it would be amazing. <laughs> so when did you come up with the idea to re-release the Colonial Vision? <laughs> Your Atari is really, really powerful here, and I'd love to know more about it. When is Mario being released? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like oh, yeah. I feel like this is probably where you'd get your Super KKK brothers. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> I think this is where it actually was from. <laughs> you know, we have to. Oh, you know, there needs to be a gaming platform that truly lets the the minorities and the most uh, oppressed race, you know, which is the white race, produce their games on, you know, and be platformed fairly. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like, I, I wonder how far he would come into the rabbit hole with us. We should try. This is worth a try. <laughs> uh, start writing some emails. Yeah, but like. You know, some of the other things that are questionable about this console, you know, like the sad thing is like the the concept of it is not crazy, right? Like they've been doing these mini consoles for a while, right? First, they've been doing these throwback consoles for a while, right? You know, they have those Atari flashbacks and stuff. Yep. You know, we've we've had a lot of fun, you know, fucking with those, you know, playing like combat and combat, stuff like that. Maze Runner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, digging in, digging in the crates for some super retro shit, right? And then... You know, they've been doing, like, these mini NESs, mini Genesis, mini PlayStation, you know, so on and so forth. So, retro consoles and mini consoles aren't bizarre at all. And even, you know, old companies trying to come back with what's basically a computer and a computer in a box, that's not weird either, right? Because, you know, Coleco tried to do that in 2016. They released something called the Coleco Chameleon, right? And Atari came out with something, you know, a new VCS in 2020, which was literally just like a... A fucking, I think, like a Linux PC or an Android PC that you know, also ran some Atari games for some reason, right? Yeah, but why wouldn't I just get a Raspberry, raspberry Pi? You know, I mean, you could do that, right? But this, like, this has some good ideas, right? This is like a new thing with a with a new brand that was designed to be made for collectors, right? Like, games are cheap. The games are the games came with like uh, some kind of NFT verification card. Right, so you can prove that you're the original owner of this cartridge, right? And you know it came with like a remix version of like the the OG uh, Amico, I mean OG and television controller with like the control disc and shit. So like there there's some catnip for collectors in here, but the you know there were more and more problems came as people started scrutinizing this, right? So they had like a showcase of like games that were coming out for this game, right? Like a new breakout, right? You. Know, uh, a, a new Evil Knievel game, which is also hilarious. Like, who is you know, <laughs> buying something called Evil Knievel in 2021? In right? 2021, yeah. Right? You know, but these were all, like, reskins of, like, shitty-ass iOS and Android games from, like, five years ago, right? So people were like, what the fuck? Like, this is, like, a six-year-old phone game. Why is this, why is this a thing, right? You know, and then, you know, people started, you know, looking at the hardware, for example, right? You know, why is this a one hundred and eighty dollar you know game system, right? And you know, investigative journalists you know, found out that you know the hardware inside of this system is basically you know, the same shit as like a value cell phone from like twenty sixteen, right? Has like you know, a gig or two of RAM, has like a an ancient uh Android CPU from like you know, budget cell phone that you would get on like fucking Metro PCS or like Cricket or something like that, right? You know, like it's it's 
it's bad. And the phone released, you know, the, the hardware released back then for $100. So for it to be more in 2021 is like insane. Right. And well, it's a collector's item. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you, uh, there are some design rules for how you, know, in t- you know, Tommy Tallarico and the new Intellivision wanted to control how games should be made. And some of them are good ideas, but other of them are kind of weird and restrictive, right? So the Ten Commandments of Intellivision game design in 2021 are, one, every game has to be rated E for everyone. Two, every game has to be playable with little instructions. B, every game must be balanced for everyone to have fun with different, ability, different skill or ability levels. Four, every game has to be at least a 7 or t- out of 10 on you know, Intellivision's quality control scale. Five, every game has to be less than $10. Six, every game has to be support the official controller. Seven, every game must be 2 or 2.5D, but no 3D. Right? Eight, every game must be exclusive. Right? You, you can't, even the ports have to be exclusive. Right. Nine, every game cannot have DLC, you know, no DLC or in-game purchases. And ten, every game must have local multiplayer or two-player mode, right? Mind you, these things aren't necessarily objectively terrible. They're just No. Yeah, they're just kind of antithetical to how you know, modern game sales and game dev and game design works, right? You know, how do you make money you know, on this platform as a locked gate, right? You can't port you know, your game to Android or iPhone or, or Nintendo store or like PlayStation store or Microsoft store, right? You know, because the ports, you know, even the ports have to be unique, right? On in television, everything has to be in television exclusive, right? So you can't just make a version of this game for another platform, right? The game, you can't make a 3D game, right? Which is, hey, that's fine. But like also, you know, a lot of games are 3D in 2021, right? You know, you can't have DLC or in-game purchases, which is fine, right? And you know, speaking objectively for myself, I prefer a game that you you buy it once and like you have the game, right? But a lot of game devs like to sell you know, extra widgets, you know, extra skins, extra hats, extra modes, and stuff like that. Hard to make money when you can't do these things, right? So you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things going on here. You know, it's it's not yeah, I mean, exactly it's... a scam. It's but you know, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's weird. I'm not. I'm not really picking up where where the scam is coming from. Um, I'm just wondering. Yeah, there's a there's a very large markup. It it seems to be going after in an older audience that is just desperate to have some kind of original experience. In which case, it's a niche market, and you know you can you can charge out the ass for that. I'm wondering, like, where are they going to find the devs to? even make a game forget all the rules like i don't know how many systems that you're gonna sell of this like how many how big is the demand for the intellivision that any dev is gonna waste time trying to make a game for it well if you can get q to endorse it then i feel like there's a huge section of the country that might uh (laughs) That might buy it. The storm is coming, and so is the Intellivision. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> that would be a pretty good commercial. We are Intellivision. Wow. Separating the product from the CEO and whatever. I don't, like, it just It just seems like a um, another product trying to cash in on the 
on the retro craze, but this being even more retro than the re-release of the mini NES or whatever. Yeah, look. I just, I, I don't know. Like, this is something that I just do not care about as a product. Yeah, what, I, what I can say is that, you know, from, from a collector standpoint and from even like a game preservation standpoint where, you know, each of the games you, you know, you you get your NFT that proves you're the original owner of it and you can always get it again and stuff like that, right? Like, I understand and appreciate what they're trying to do with that, right? You know, so, like, I I get it strictly from that. Even though whenever I hear somebody talking about NFTs in a concept like this, like, I bait, like my scam flags come up, right? Like, you know, that just sounds like buzzwords. Like, you could have just sold, you know, like, you know, like uh, the game has a login, right? Like you log in as you know, your username, and you own this username owns this copy of the game, right? Like that problem is not one that needs to be solved. It already exists, right? It doesn't need to be solved by NFT, right? But I mean, this is an NFT having metaverse involving yes. Intellivision, right? But like as a collector, though, wouldn't you want the original Intellivision instead of like the re-release with an Android phone inside? <laughs> You know, like, isn't that like when you have your Jordan rookie card and then 30 years later, they re-release it, but it's not the same. It's not worth the same. What? It's being printed in, in higher quantities. It'll never be worth as much as that original Jordan rookie well, card. Like, what is I the mean, purpose? I mean, well, if you, if you quadruple OG about this stuff, like, you're interested in collecting everything that's related to it, right? Like, you know. We have the original NES and stuff like that, right? But, like, we may also have the mini NES, right? And then, you know, we also have, like, the Super Mario Brothers uh, Game & Watch too, right? You know, mm. so, like, these things are collector's items irrespective of how many times, you know, we buy them or already have them, even if their values are less. These guys are whales. Like, yeah. But I mean, like, if that's your target demographic, how much money can you really expect to make if you're marketing, ex like, almost exclusively to people who are, like, just collectors? That is, that is a good question. And that is one of those things where, you know, every time it gets delayed, every time, you know, certain features that are promised kind of, you know, uh, change themselves up, right? Like, this thing is still not out yet, right? You know, and it's almost 2022. It was supposed to come out in 2021, and it was supposed to come out in 2020. Right. So people people have been waiting. There have been other, you know, retro consoles or other remix consoles and stuff like that coming out and you know, kind of the, the hype of these things has been dropping, right? Like Nintendo was very, very successful with the mini NES and the mini SNES, right? But Mini Genesis didn't really do that much. Mini PlayStation, you know, fucking was a value <laughs> disposable item. Like it didn't sell at all. You know, mini turbo graphics, you know, didn't do shit, you know. Mini Neo Geo didn't do shit, and like basically no one is trying to release these anymore, right? So come 2022, you know, will anyone even give a fuck about Intellivision? Honestly, I don't think so, right? Even from the you know hardcore collector uh, market, because I don't think there's enough you know hardcore Intellivision collectors left, right? Like I have an Intellivision, right? But like I intent I inherited that from my family because I was the only one that cared, right? So like. <laughs> I don't know that there is, you know, even 10 million people like me, right? I don't know. Right. I don't know that there's 5 million people like me that would buy this at its retail price or even less than that. I don't know why this exists. You know, what do I know? I'm just, I'm just a guy. Oh, so uh, I must have missed it. What's the, uh, what is this retail for? This is allegedly going to retail for $180, you know, about 200 bucks, right? And each game okay. is about $10. 
I mean, I appreciate where they're coming from with like these games that don't cost an arm and a leg and you know aren't trying to milk mm-hmm. you, but the fact that they're basically cell phone games from four years yes. ago kind of is like okay, I you can get better deals on Steam sales. I mean, you could get like I don't like <laughs> I don't you know. could get better deals on your cell phone, right? Like why the fuck am I <laughs> buying? Why am I buying an Amico just to download what I can download from the Android store, right? Right. You literally, or, literally or play for free right. on an emulator. Exactly. Like, literally, why am I doing that? I don't know why. I don't know why this exists. But again, you know, I'm just a monkey you know, on a keyboard. You know, I don't know shit. <laughs> you know? Well, the CEO might think that, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get this guy on. It'd be funny. I'm, I'm, in full su- I'm in full support of, you know, YOLO, you know, let's get Tommy Tallarico to speak on this podcast. I will tweet at I will tweet at him today. If anything, I'd like um to uh to talk about video games lives. Like that was a great concert that we went to. It was to. awesome. I, I we had a great time going to their you know I was moved by uh some of that classic game music. You know, mm-hmm. and I truly mm-hmm. I truly believe that classic game music that game music in general is just as important as any other kind of music like that that's music that's real music too yeah i mean i agree with that 100 percent. i have plenty of game music on my phone i listen to that shit when i'm driving all the time yeah so you know i you know i'm glad that such a thing exists and you know i think that that's good you know especially from you know preservation of you know gaming history and stuff like that i truly believe in that shit like i you know like games are art but the rest of this shit is fucking clown shoes. Like, this system is fucking bullshit. Like, I don't know why it exists. It shouldn't, you know, it's, it's garbage. But, like, hey. John's like the Noah of, of video games. Except when it comes to this, he's like, no, you stay here. <laughs> yeah, there's no, no room on the boat. Yeah, sorry. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this is why the flood is happening. You stay here. <laughs> I, I got 16 NESs, you know, and things that play NES, but, like, one more of these? Nah, I'm good. Good on that. <laughs> And that right there is the difference between Nintendo fandom and Intellivision. Into <laughs> hey, you know, the the argument could be made that Intellivision fandom is why there was an a game crash in the eighties anyway, and that's why we have Nintendo. So you know, if you look at it that way, thank you, Intellivision, wow. for existing and crashing the market along with Atari and Coleco. You know, because that's why I have games to be fans of in the first place. Yeah, Intellivision actually had like games that didn't suck. You know, they just they they came to the party late, and at the time that they came to the party, you know, there was just too many people. You know, like back then, like everybody and their mom was like, "Fuck it, let's make game systems and stuff like that," and like stupid components and what have you, and that they the market just got flooded. They actually had good software; it was just too much. The Intellivision came out. In for two hundred and seventy five dollars, yes. you know, back in the day, back wow. in the day, the Intellivision was fucking Xbox, dude. Like this shit was the first sixteen. Like console. that is, yeah. Well, uh, when did it come uh, out? Seventy nine, the original one, right? Like this thing destroyed any version of Atari that existed. You know, and and Coleco, you know, when it released, it was what much more powerful than than those consoles at at the time of release. You know, at the time, like no one, yeah, no one gave a fuck about more powerful because you know I already have an Atari. Like, why do I need to buy another console? Atari has Pac-Man also, right? Like, what the fuck am I buying? This right. Thing? 
I'm straight dead. 275 in 1979 was $1,058. Oh, yeah. Wow. That is a PS5. That's that is two, two PS5. That's two PS5s. That's two PS5s. Or really like one and a half PS5s at current <laughs> eBay prices. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. We've come a long way. <laughs> we, we, have, we have come a long way for sure. All right. Well, the, the, those were some some very interesting and uh, slightly racist and slightly outdated uh, facts about what's going on in the the gaming industry. Thank you, John. I really appreciate that. But that that looks like that's all the time we have for on Red Channel Condition this week. We certainly want to give a shout out to our listeners. Uh, we hope you had a very happy holiday and you're safe and healthy. Um, as always, for any questions, comments, concerns, or if you just want to drop us a line, send us an email at redchannelcondition at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you guys later. Going back to bed. <laughs>